0: Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Welcome to Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show, where each week I rank movies in a variety of categories, from franchise to subgenre to directors and actors. No film left is left unwatched as I break down my Top 5 picks So join me every Sunday for a new episode and get ready to dive into the world of film with top five from the Ray Taylor Show. In this episode, I am ranking my top five Darren Aronofsky films. Uh, He's an American filmmaker and screenwriter. His films are known for their intense visual style. Aronofsky's films... Are known for their uh, intense visual style, as I said, use of symbolism, allegory, and exploration of deep psychological themes. He's been nominated for numerous awards, including an Academy Award for Best Director of Black Swan. He continues to be a prominent figure in the film industry, and his work is highly regarded by critics and audiences alike. A director I got into seeing Requiem for a Dream, I believe was the first film of his. Then I purchased his first film, Pie, which I really loved. Um, I hadn't caught up with, I hadn't kept up with his work, Uh, so there are a lot of movies in like the 2010s that I had not seen yet, which I finally got to got around to watching for this which I've been looking forward to watching uh in preparation for this one of the many reasons I love doing this show uh so finally getting to watch that especially after having watched his most recent recent film The Whale which I reviewed a few weeks ago Brendan Fraser who is the star of that did a top five of his movies which also led me to do the top five Darren Aronofsky films uh so with all of that said I am looking forward to getting into my top five movies by Darren Aronofsky. Let's get it started, shall we? With number five, this is a movie that is the most recent film of his that I saw. A very simple film, which his films can fluctuate from being simple to be very complex. And I think the majority of them are fairly complex. Uh, But this one is similar to another film that he did. Uh, which I will talk about maybe later. But this one coming in at number five is The Whale. The Whale came out 2022, so last year. It's a psychological drama uh, directed, of course, by Darren Aronofsky and written by Samuel D. Hunter. The film is based on Hunter's 2012 play of the same name. The cast includes Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, Hong Chow, Ty Simpkins and Samantha Morton. The plot follows a reclusive, morbidly obese English teacher trying to restore his relationship with his daughter. The whale premiered, or yeah, premiered at the 79th Venice International Film Festival on September fourth of twenty twenty-two. The film polarized critics, uh, but received praise from for the cast performances, particularly Fraser and Chow which I loved both of their performances as well. The film won Best Actor at the Academy Awards, uh, Critics' Choice Awards, and Screen Actors Guild Awards for Fraser's performance, as well as the Academy Award for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and received nominations for several other awards. Uh, I related a lot to many aspects of this film. This film had a lot of things that... Uh, you know, that I, I definitely related to in many ways, different aspects of the different characters that I related to um, from themes to characters. It's, it's a movie about depression, a movie about trying to find purpose and truth uh, and how trauma can affect different people in different ways. Uh, the only use of the fat suit in any movie that I've actually liked, I'm usually not somebody that likes the use of a fat suit but this movie I felt was good and of course I think the best performance I've ever seen from Brendan Fraser Uh, and also one of as I said Aronofsky's more minimalist films I would say this movie in a lot of ways is similar to The Wrestler both very minimal character study films not a lot of characters and uh, maybe not dealing with the same types of things but in some ways are dealing with the depressive nature of of life in some ways uh so coming in number five my fifth favorite darren aronofsky film is the whale let's move on this is a movie that i had not seen i may have seen parts of it but it's a movie that i had never not seen this may have been the first movie in the run of movies that i missed of darren aronofsky's so it's a movie i've looked forward to watching for years uh, and was grateful to finally watch this movie. I could see this movie easily being at the top of many people's lists but for me it didn't it didn't connect with me as much despite the fact that I I can see the perfection in this movie. Uh, so coming in at number four is Black Swan. this movie came out in 2010 L- psychological thriller also has like body horror moments. Uh, directed, obviously, Darren Aronofsky. Stars Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Kinsell, and Barbara Hershey. The plot follows Nina, played by Natalie Portman, a ballerina New York City Ballet Company, who becomes increasingly unstable as she prepares for the lead role in Swan Lake. The film explores themes of perfectionism, duality, and sexuality. Black Swan received numerous accolades, including five Academy Award nominations and one win for Portman's performance. An amazing performance from her, absolutely. Uh, The film's cinematography, editing, and sound design were also widely praised. The film's use of visual and auditory hallucinations blurred the lines between reality and fantasy, contributing to its psychological intensity. A great movie about somebody's Descent into madness in a lot of ways. And uh, the way this movie is is filmed really keeps the audience guessing in a lot of ways of what they are seeing is true, which I think is kind of a common thing in a lot of of the Aronofsky films. Uh, Aronofsky's work closely or worked closely with Portman to develop the character of Nina including training her in ballet and encouraging her to lose weight in a role where she her character loses weight uh, the film's portrayal of the competitive and cutthroat world of ballet has been criticized for perpetuating harmful stereotypes and promoting unrealistic beauty standards you know Obviously, I don't think the unrealistic beauty standards that are depicted in this movie are necessarily considered to be healthy in this movie. Um, But at the same time, I'm sure they do promote stereotypes in that industry, an industry that I know nothing about. So I can understand people in that industry, uh, considering them to be uh, stereotypes, harmful stereotypes. But At the same time, I'm sure they do happen, and maybe they're not as common as this movie may make them seem, but I don't think that's what this movie's trying to do. I don't think movies in general are trying to generalize experiences. I think they're trying to show and explore unique experiences and sometimes those unique experiences can relate to a wider audience on more of a general kind of level. Uh, the film's score, composed by Clint Mansell and performed by the Kronos Quartet, features a reinterpretation of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake score. The film's editing and open uh, is open to interpretation, uh, with some viewers interpreting it as a metaphor of Nina the End, The ending, I should say, is open to interpretation. I don't think I well, the people interpreting it, uh, it as a metaphor for Nina's psychological breakdown, while others see it as a literal transformation into a swan. I think. It this movie shows everything from the perspective of Nina, where you see characters that weren't in scenes but she hallucinates them in scenes, but we see them as the audience because we are seeing what Nina is seeing. We are we are on the same descent into madness and seeing the same hallucinations. And I think in that scene where she's dancing and morphing into a swan, one I think is a gorgeous scene and gorgeous use of special effects, of digital effects but in my opinion is obviously a metaphor as is as the hallucinations are of when uh, Mila Kunis's character goes home with her after their night out when her character never did right maybe her character is lying about that but everything seems like it is just Natalie Portman losing her mind her character losing her mind and in that moment it is her embodying the character that she has struggled to embody the entire film and has embodied it so well that she sees herself as her as herself morphing into this black swan so i don't i think it's an interesting idea that people would think that's it's literal i don't think that that kind of supernatural i think the first i think the audience would freak out (laughs) so If it was literal transformation, I think the audience would freak the fuck out. Like, how did they do that? But um, I think it's definitely more metaphorical. Uh, Black Swan has been praised for its portrayal of mental illness and the pressures of artistic performance. Uh, Perfectionism, I I should say. The film's use of mirrors and doubling. Uh, unders- underscores the exploration of duality And the fragmentation of identity The film's themes and style draw inspiration from various sources Including Dario Argento's Suspiria Which I agree with Obviously this is like exponentially better I'm not a big fan of that Suspiria I uh, haven't watched the remake yet uh, Also Michael Powell and Emmerich uh, press- Pressburg's The Road, The Red Shoes have not seen that and Aronofsky's own film Requiem for a Dream uh, which I definitely see the comparisons in that as well Black Swan is considered a landmark film in Aronofsky's career and defined uh, and defining work of his psychological of the psychological thriller genre I 100% agree I could easily see this as many people's number one and I wouldn't argue it at all Uh, but for me it's here at number four black swan let's take a quick break right now to talk about are you a fan of original artwork and live events look no further than the many faces series by ray taylor and the weekly live stream over at youtube.com inspired disorder this ongoing series explores the endless possibilities of the human face through abstract ink paintings on paper capturing unique expressions of emotion mood tone and energy in just a few minimal features. Join me every Thursday at 420 Pacific Time as I paint live, follow the Many Faces series and discover the endless possibilities of the human face. Don't miss out on this opportunity to be part of the action and own a piece of original artwork by me, Ray Taylor. Head to YouTube.com slash Inspired Disorder every Thursday to catch the live stream. And visit inspiredisorder.com to browse and purchase the Many Faces artwork. And now, let's get back to the show. Moving on to my third favorite Darren Aronofsky film. Uh, this is probably the last film I saw of his before I kind of fell off. And uh, it, definitely a movie I liked. It's a movie in rewatch that I still liked. And it's one of his more simple movies. That movie coming in at number three is The Wrestler. The Wrestler came out in 2008. It's a sports drama. It stars Michael, uh, yeah, Mickey Rourke, Marissa Tomei, and Evan Rachel Wood. The plot follows Randy the Ram Robinson, played by Mickey Rourke, a washed-up professional wrestler who tries to revive his career while dealing with health issues. Strained by relationships and personal demons, the film explores themes of identity, sacrifice, and the tolls of uh, physical and emotional labor. The Wrestler was a critical and commercial success, receiving numerous accolades, including two Academy Award nominations and one win for Rourke's performance. The film's portrayal of wrestling of the wrestling industry and his brutal and often exploitative nature has been praised for its authenticity and rawness. Rourke's performance as Randy the Ram Robinson is considered a career-defining role and one of his best performances of a career, his career. Which I haven't seen all that many Mickey Rourke movies, but not surprising at all. It's a, a every he gets amazing. Aronofsky gets amazing performances out of people that's for sure so not surprising that Rourke was uh, so rewarded for this one Uh, the film's handheld camera work and gritty cinematography contributed to its visceral and realistic style Tomei and Woods performances as Cassidy and Stephanie respectively were also praised for their complexity and depth The film's use of 1980s hair metal and Bruce Springsteen's song The Wrestler on the soundtrack contributed to its sense of nostalgia and melancholy. The film's ending, which leaves Randy's fate open to interpretation, has been debated by viewers and critics. What, I think maybe people think he died? I I don't, I mean, everybody dies. I don't think that was the moment that killed him, but I, I think it was... You know, probably his last hurrah on one level or another. Like, he probably wasn't very healthy after that uh, if he did survive. Aronofsky's use of extreme close ups and long takes underscore the film's emphasis on psychological, uh, uh, sorry, the physicality and vulnerability. The film's themes and style draw on inspiration from various sources, including John Ford's The Searchers, Martin Scorsese's Scorsese's Raging Bull, which is a great movie, and, of course, Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. The Wrestler is considered a landmark film in Aronofsky's career and a defining work of the sports drama genre the film. Exp- the film's exploration of aging mortality and the price of pursuing one's passion resonates with audiences and has uh, cemented it status as a modern classic. And I also love the many similarities there are and, and parallels that can be drawn between the careers of professional wrestler Mickey Rourke's character and Marissa Tomei's professional dancer adult entertainer career. How both you know athlete and female entertainer uh, sex work uh, adult entertainment can have a short shelf life. Um, how it can be kind of a rough end to those types of careers. Um, also the lack of respect, both careers. Like there are many times the way uh, his he's treated by his regular day job um, and other people is in many ways the same way a a stripper may be treated and degraded in the real world in the straight world as it were so I, I appreciated that both of these characters also came from a, a place where they understand each other and it, this movie could easily be about a story of a, a woman who is kind of at the end of her career as a stripper Um, and it would have not changed the movie that much so I kind of enjoyed this movie for its ability to kind of discuss both of those things within the one story Uh, but either way number three my third favorite Aronofsky film is The Wrestler moving on to my second favorite Darren Aronofsky film this is another one that was a first time watch this is also a movie that I didn't expect to like uh, I was not expecting to like this movie at all, and it, probably just from what I heard when it did come out, uh, and it's a movie that, the as the movie went on, the more I loved this movie, and it's kind of crazy, and I can completely understand why people wouldn't like it, but for me, I loved this movie, and I'll get into that, but coming in at number two, my second favorite Darren Aronofsky film is mother with an exclamation point mother came out in 2017 psychological horror film written and directed by aronofsky stars jennifer lawrence way better performance from her in this than in the hunger games trilogy which i just finished Javier Baudem, which is also amazing Uh, ed harris and michelle pfeiffer all great actors in this Uh, the plot follows a young woman played by lawrence who lives with her husband Bardem in a secluded house in the countryside, where they are visited by increasingly disturbing and intrusive guests. The film explores themes of creation, uh, creation, destruction, religion, environmentalism, and artistic ambition. Mother polarized critics and audiences with some praising the boldness which i do praise the boldness and originality while others criticized its graphics violence uh boohoo oh boohoo graphic violence i didn't think it was that graphic uh but i did think it was very bold and original uh they also criticized its heavy-handed symbolism and narrative ambiguity which i am perfectly fine with both of that i mean heavy-handed symbolism yet narratively ambiguous i like give me bold crayons in order to come up with whatever creative idea i want this story to be in my head i kind of like that i kind of like that uh this movie can be different movies to different people or even be a different movie to you as you go and visit this movie at different points in your life uh And I could see like for me, I I could see how I drew the meanings of what's going on for me personally, how they related to me and looking up how other people defined and read into this film, how they were able and they made complete sense. And I love how this movie can be that kind of choose, choose your own definition, choose your own kind of story aspect to it of like you can get out of it depending on who you are and what you're bringing into it. So I kind of love, that is one of the reasons why I love this movie so much. Uh, Lawrence's performance as the titular character has been praised for its intensity and emotional range. The film's use of sound, particularly its use of silence and sudden bursts of noise, contributed to its unsettling and claustrophobic atmosphere. Bardem's performance as the husband who is a writer struggling with writer's block and ego has been compared to, uh, Aronofsky himself makes sense. Uh, he is in some ways a character that I kind of related to. I almost like related to this movie as a movie that would relate to women that I've been in relationships with and maybe their perspective on how I may act in certain situations. So it's, it's kind of a weird story in that it, I like related to it in kind of an indirect way. Like I related it, I related to it in a way where I feel like I am perceived in a way like, like this would, this movie relates to people, how they may perceive me, uh, whether it be true or not, but that, you know, anyway, Uh, kind of a a weird way to connect with the movie Uh, the film's use of allegory and symbolism including references to Christianity the book of Genesis and Greek mythology has been the subject of much analysis and debate I I love all those comparisons I agree with a lot of those comparisons and I love that you can draw narratives so many different types of narratives from how you choose to read this movie Um, and Aronofsky a lot of his films have tie-in and reference Christianity and I'm not even just saying the literal tie-in with Noah but even Pi there's a lot of that type of the ideals of religion in that as well so you know even though those weren't the things as I was watching it necessarily. And I take some ideas from how people think of those things. And I kind of have my own type of interpretation. I, I don't know. I really love this movie. Uh, the film's final act, which features a surreal and apocalyptic sequence, has been interpreted in various ways, uh, with some seeing it as a commentary on climate change and nuclear war. The film's use of handheld camera work uh, and long takes contributes to its sense of un, of urgency and immediacy. The film's production design and use of practical effects create a visceral and unsettling world that blurs the lines between reality and nightmare. Which I 100% agree with. Mother is considered one of Aronofsky's most divisive films. And challenging films, and has been compared to his earlier works of *Pi* and *Requiem for a Dream*. 100% agree uh, with both of that, with all of that stuff. Uh, I love this movie for a lot of reasons. I I like how the metaphors can be read in different ways, as I said, um, whether it's religious or artistic struggles. Um, and I love that it goes so hard. Like it, it's a movie that seemingly starts at 11. But it ends up at like fifteen. It it goes way farther than I thought it would go with with things, and I I really appreciated that. And even how it kind of wraps around at the end, almost in a Groundhog Day kind of a, a never-ending loop. Kind of enjoyed that as well, uh, and I love that it can be viewed like I'm excited to rewatch this movie in however many years when I realize it's been a while since I've watched this movie and I'd be like, I want to revisit this movie. And I could see complete, having completely different takeaways from this movie than I saw the first time. Um, which I, I love that. Um, and I think, you know, I didn't think, I absolutely did not think this movie would be a movie that I liked, let alone end up at number two, uh, It's kind of crazy, and I was very wrong. (laughs) I was very wrong. And uh, the more I watched this movie as the movie went on, the more I loved it. So coming in at number two, my second favorite Darren Aronofsky film is Mother for the show and make a great gift for any fan. Plus with each purchase, you'll be helping us continue to bring you great content. So don't wait, head on over to Inspiredisorder.com now and check out the full collection. Thanks for listening. And we hope you'll show your support by grabbing some Ray Taylor show merchandise today. And now let's get back to the show. My first favorite, my best favorite Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky film coming in at number one Is a movie that hit me so hard when I watched it the first time. It is a movie that I compare other similar movies to. It is kind of like that gold standard of movie. That even in the descriptions of the movies that I've already discussed. Will in many ways be in reference to this movie. And that movie coming in at number one. My favorite Darren Aronofsky film is Requiem for a Dream. This movie came out in the year 2000. I was working at the movie theater. I was this was like I it was the time in my life where I was really getting into movies. By I had a job. I was buying DVDs. Obviously watching this and then buying uh buying pie and getting into like independent cinema and like seeing what people are doing with movies and it was blowing my mind. Uh, this movie's psychological drama. This is a movie that stars Ellen Burstyn, amazing performance from her, Jared Leto, Jennifer Connelly, and Marlon Wayans all amazing performances it follows four individuals who become addicted to drugs and experience the devastating consequences of their addiction it explores themes of addiction loneliness and the american dream the film is known for its innovative visual style which i've seen copied so much since this movie came out including it's use of split screen time-lapse photography and extreme close-ups uh, the film soundtrack composed by Clint Mansell and performed by the Kronos Quartet, another one by them, is considered a classic of modern film cinema. I 100% agree. The main theme there—I remember having for whatever reason that as a ringtone—the main theme of this song of this movie, and it—it it is like so like identifiable with this movie. It is so, and this movie is so dark and and such a bummer, and so tragic, and I think that is why I compare it to movies that are tragic, and bummers, and sad, and like devastating, because this movie does it so well, the, the depths that these people go to dealing with their addictions. Ellen Burstyn's performance as Sarah Goldfarb, uh, a lonely widow who becomes addicted to diet pills, Uh, was widely praised and earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. The film's depiction of drug addiction and its impact on the characters lives as a visceral and uncompromising uh, lives. (laughs) Let me start over. The film's depictions of drug addiction and its impact on the characters' lives is visceral and uncompromising and has been praised for its honesty and realism. The film's structure, which becomes increasingly fragmented and frantic as the characters' lives spiral out of control, adds a sense of unease and disorientation. The film's ending, which is ambiguous and open to interpretation, has been the subject of much debate and discussion among viewers and critics. The film has or the film was a critical success, but was not commercial success. Obviously, this is not surprising that this movie wasn't a commercial success upon initial release. However, over time, this became a cult classic and is considered one of the most important films of the 21st century. The film's use of symbolism and metaphor, including the reoccurrence of imagery of the refrigerator and the television, add its depth and complexity. The two devices in America, consumption that provide the most unhealthiness to Americans, the TV and the refrigerator. Uh, The film's depiction of the destructive nature of addiction and the ways in which it can erode human relationships and dignity in both powerful and devastating. Uh, It's a movie that is brutal to watch. It stays with you, unlike most films. Even talking to the film erodes my ability to speak words. Uh, It is by far... uh, the most Aronofsky Aronofsky films. I mean, even as I said in the descriptions of the other films, so many of his films after this have had flavors of Aronofsky, and I think this movie, with the subject matter and themes and style and music, every aspect of it, like he, in his second film, hit it so far out of the park. It it is amazing. It even though I think he's made even per- more perfect films. I think in many ways. Black Swan is a more perfect film, uh, but this film hit me hard and has stuck with me ever since um, and is the reason why I'm a fan of this guy and will watch whatever he does. Um, and I love it. And it, its influence on popular culture is just insane. It is insane how this super dark, depressing film has like influenced. Even I remember when The Simpsons would would were influenced by this and and relating the way in which heroin use was depicted in this as homer eating donuts um, it, like it just it just infected popular culture in a way nobody i think could have expected and an amazing movie that is why it's here at number one requiem for a dream <clears throat> uh, honorable mentions uh pie Could have easily put Pi at number five. I just, I think I relate to The Whale a little bit more. Um, And maybe that's just recency bias, even though I did recently rewatch Pi. It's been forever. Um, I love Pi. I think Pi is my number six movie for sure. Um, His fascination with numbers mixed with like conspiracy and religion. I love the movie. So great. And I think I remember the, it could have been the commentary or special features, the actor, the lead actor, it ends with him drilling a hole in his head. And I think the actor is one of the method of the method variety. And I think he actually did drill a hole in his head for the scene. And I could be wrong. It's been decades since I remember that fact. So who knows? Also honorable mentions, The Fountain is a great movie, kind of slow. The visuals are timeless The it's a super interesting film, but it just uh, it just didn't like this would have would have been like my seven Um, and by far the worst is Noah. There are epic moments in Noah, right? When the people who are surviving the flood are barely hanging on to a rock as this like wooden cargo container floats in the ocean. Uh, And you can hear their screams. That is, It goes hard. This movie goes hard in some ways. But overall, I could care less about Noah uh, for so many reasons. But my least favorite Aronofsky films. But let me recap my list one more time before my voice absolutely dies. This is my top five Darren Aronofsky films. Starting off with number five is The Whale. Number four is Black Swan. Number three is The Wrestler. Number two is Mother! And my number one Darren Aronofsky film is Requiem for a Dream. Please let me know how you would rank your favorite Aronofsky films. Uh, I would love to hear it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Top 5 from The Ray Taylor Show. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts and rankings on and my analysis of my top five favorite Darren Aronofsky films. Uh, Don't forget to tune in next Sunday for an all new episode and join the conversation by leaving a comment or rating on your favorite podcast platform or over on YouTube if you're watching these. And until then, I'll see you again next week for more top five. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at inspireddisorder.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Oh!